0: 4 Number 654 we'll sing uh, all 3 verses. Mm.
1: Newborn King, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies with angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Angelic proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. The Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen, with healing in His wings. Christ by highest heaven door. Lord. Come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home. Come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home.
2: Scripture reading this evening will come from Colossians three, verses fourteen through seventeen. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
0: Our psalm before the opening prayer will be number 616, Love Lifted Me we'll sing all three verses, number 616.
1: I was sinking deep in sin, Far from the peaceful shore Very deeply stained within Sinking to rise no more But the master of the sea Heard my despairing cry From the waters lifted me Now safe am I Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help  ¶ ¶ Love lifted me ¶¶ All my heart to Him I give ¶¶ Ever to Him I'll cling ¶¶ In His blessed presence live ¶¶ Ever His praises sing ¶¶ Love so mighty and so true ¶¶ Merits my soul's best songs ¶¶ Faithful, loving service to To Him belongs ¶ Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saved. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me.
3: Let's pray together. Our almighty Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many wonderful blessings you give us every day. We thank you for the privilege together here to worship you in comfort. And we thank you that we have health together together. And we do pray for the sick. We especially hold up our brother Jason Barrett and Bill Young. We pray for healing for them quickly. And Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the many freedoms we enjoy in this country. We pray that you will guide the leaders of our our nation so that we can always have the freedom to worship you in peace. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you will bless our military and our policemen as they guard our freedoms and our safety. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you will forgive us of our sins and be with us as we worship you tonight. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
0: At this time, would you please mark the invitation song, which will be number 589. The invitation song will be number 589. Our song before the lesson this evening will be number 643. Number 643. We'll sing all three verses. Will you stand, please?
1: I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing. How he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. I then obeyed his blessed commands and gained the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the street of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there The song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me With His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Be seated, please.
4: Appreciate everybody being here tonight, and it's always good to see you on a Sunday night and visit with the brethren. We have a part two of our lesson series tonight on Let the Bible Speak, and um, I'll just go ahead and tell our AV guy, I walked in tonight with my outline, but it was this morning's outline, so I'll be looking at that and using that as my outline tonight, so if you'll keep up with me, that'll be great. We do have a two-part series that we're doing the second part tonight, and so the second part of our Let the Bible Speak is uh, the, the second question. The first question was... Basically, are Christians baptized or apostles baptized? And so, I uh, appreciate Joanne for that question. If we can go on to the next slide, and so this will be our two-part series. The second question has to deal also with apostles, and it, and it's are there apostles today? So it was just kind of a an interesting, I guess, a convergence of questions from Joanne and and and. Uh, and uh, Warren Wallace, and I appreciate those. So, were they baptized in water? You know, what's interesting is we find that there's only two apostles specifically that are mentioned that were baptized, and if we can go to our next slide, uh, we'll see that um, apostle means basically a messenger, an envoy, one commissioned by another. Um, So, think of an apostle as not just a person who says, I want to follow this individual, I want to do what they do, and And follow their example, but it's one that specifically is given a commission, uh, marching orders, one who's sent out. And in these case, the 12 apostles we know were chosen by Jesus and dispatched or sent out to preach the gospel. So certainly the 12 apostles um, we know were chosen by Jesus. How many are baptized? I suspect all of them were, but we only see examples of the apostle Paul And we see that Jesus also is called an apostle. I appreciate Bryson pointed that out to me last Sunday night, which I'm kind of like, you know, you're right. Jesus is called an apostle. if we can go to our next slide, Um, uh, uh, basically Jesus says, go out, represent me, tell others the news, and I want you to go into these specific regions. So you may recall the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and, and so he says where to go, what to teach, and, and that they are pe- teaching the message of Jesus Christ. So, so we understand the basics of what an apostle is. Our next slide uh, shows us that uh, all apostles were disciples, and we talked about that, Will, but not all disciples were apostles. Very few, in fact, were apostles. And so we'll talk more about the qualifications tonight. All right, our next slide will show that uh, we did talk about the 12, how they were selected. Paul was selected by God, you know, on the, on the uh, road to Damascus. He saw the bright light, uh, heard a thundering voice. Uh, those around Paul, his traveling companions, weren't sure what was going on, but Paul had a conversation directly with Jesus. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And and so at that moment, we see that Paul was commissioned, and certainly is a he is an apostle. Jesus is called an apostle in Hebrews chapter 3, 1. If you make a note, you can follow up a little more on, on Jesus being called an apostle. So I guess to answer Joanne's question from last Sunday night, the only two we have a record of being baptized were Jesus and Paul. Uh, if you think of Jesus as an apostle, he's called one in the Bible, but it's logical to assume that all of the apostles probably were baptized because we know Jesus was baptized uh, to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, We know that he set an example. Jesus was involved in baptizing. Uh, John the Baptist baptized many people. And since the apostles, by the time we see Pentecost in Acts 2, are telling people Peter said repent and be baptized if they're commanding people to be baptized there's a very good likelihood they have been baptized themselves so if you follow that logic it certainly makes sense all right in our next slide we're going to see uh the qualifications of first century apostles so if if the question comes up well do we have apostles in the church today and and you may be thinking like I'm thinking Um, You may have heard people refer to the apostolic church, those who still have apostles, uh, who practice that in the church. Uh, We don't. We don't have the apostolic church in the churches of Christ, but some do. And so let's look at some of the—these are kind of generally accepted qualifications of apostles. So see if these fit with your idea of apostles in the first century. First of all, these men were witnesses— to the resurrection of Christ, 1 Corinthians nine one. They basically saw the life of Jesus. Uh, they saw his teachings, his, his miracles. They saw the crucifixion, the resurrection. and could speak on a firsthand basis about what they saw. That's generally true for all of the first century apostles. Number two, um, they were set aside, sanctified, chosen by the Lord, and commissioned by the Holy Spirit in Acts 9.15 to be apostles. They all perform miraculous uh, signs and uh, perform the works of an apostle. Number three, most of them had those signs and wonders that they could perform themselves. And uh, and so I've made some references of Acts two forty three, Second Corinthians 12.12. 12. This sort of, I find it interesting that it would be difficult to have apostles today if this were the case, But this is where it begins to get a little bit gray, you know, were there apostles in addition to the twelve, and are there apostles today? So I'll do the best I can to answer the question. You may want to continue to study this yourself. I sort of have in my mind a pretty firm answer, and I hope when I get done with the lesson tonight, you'll feel the same way. Um, But we don't always have to agree, but I've always felt like if if my lesson points you to the scriptures... And it invites you to ask lots of questions. That's a good thing. And certainly you can go home and continue to study. And you're always, always welcome to come back and say, Hey, Brother Tom, I did some more study on this subject. And like, let me show you what I found. That's great. I think that's wonderful. As long as we're in the Word, studying, discussing, even if we have differences, that's okay. We can continue to study and edify each other and encourage each other to be in the Word of God. All right, in our next slide. We're going to see uh, Paul, who was an apostle. But see, what's interesting about Paul in the first century, he was an apostle who he calls himself untimely chosen. What does that mean? What does that mean when he was untimely chosen? First of all, um, Paul wasn't a fisherman. He wasn't there at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He wasn't hand-chosen by Jesus. So when Paul shows up after this miraculous conversion, right? He all of a sudden says, hey, church, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. And uh, I've been commissioned by Jesus. They're like, right. Yeah, he really was. (laughs) On the road to Damascus, he was. He had a a miraculous conversion. He was chosen by God as an instrument sent out primarily to teach and preach to the Gentiles. And so um, let's talk a little bit. I think in the next slide, we actually have a reference. In First Corinthians nine one and in quite a bit of Corinthian letter, you'll see where Paul has to defend his status as an apostle. Oh, you're just in a fake. You're just claiming to be apostle. You want us to believe and follow what you command. But and so he had lots of Jewish enemies in the early church who wanted to hold to the teachings of Moses. And here is Paul teaching these other things contrary to the law of Moses. Well, we know in truth that Jesus perfectly fulfilled. The law of Moses, right? That law, that old covenant, was nailed to the cross, and so now we're under a new law, a new covenant—the law of grace, which Paul was teaching. Which, by the way, did not include circumcision. It didn't include a lot of the old laws that these uh, Jews, these these Jews that wanted to follow the law of Moses, continued to follow. We call them Judaizing teachers. These Judaizing teachers were in opposition to Paul. And um, and so, when these men who are going out and teaching and preaching to Gentiles and baptizing Gentiles are coming back to Jerusalem and reporting the good news, the Judaizing teachers are going, uh, "No, no, they're they're not brethren. They they need to be circumcised." And by the way, you're not even Apostle Paul. So it was a, it was a very hostile environment into which Paul operated in the early church and taught because he had to continually defend his status as an apostle. So the original 12, handpicked by Jesus. Paul had been an eyewitness to Jesus on the road to Damascus, sent directly by Jesus in commission. So in our minds, at least, there's no question that these men were, in fact, apostles. So as we go forward in our lesson tonight, it starts to get a little more gray. Were there more than 12? Apostles, so let's go down that uh, that question and delve a little deeper in that and we'll go to the next slide. Um, interesting if you want to make some notes, you can check this out for yourself acts thirteen two and acts fourteen fourteen we see Barnabas referred to as an apostle, all right did he demonstrate some of the same qualifications as the early apostles chosen by Jesus? yes. There's a very good chance Barnabas had miraculous gifts. Many of the Christians did in the first century. Titus, 2 Corinthians 8.23. Titus is a co-worker, but what's interesting is Paul, when he describes Titus, his young protege, uh, the young man that he trains in the Lord's Church, he uses the same Greek word, apostolos, right, in 2 Corinthians 8.23. He calls him an apostolos. Titus is an apostle. So, is he one chosen by Jesus directly? No, but yet he performs that apostolic function. Some may say, well, in in that case, maybe there's an apostle who is given the title and chosen by Jesus, and then there may be a different category of apostle who has the function of an apostle, but maybe not the official title. So, I really don't know how you feel about that, but... Uh, They were fulfilling that role, and at least by Paul, Paul called Barnabas, Titus, an apostle of Paphroditus in Philippians 2.25. And just to muddy the water a little bit, you remember the commission where Jesus sent out the 70? In some cases it says 72, remember where they went out? Think about it for just a minute. What did they do when they went out? They preached everywhere, right? They stayed in homes. They proclaimed the gospel. These same men, when they came back, they said, Lord, there were great things happening when we were out proclaiming. There were, we were able to cast out demons in your name. And so, first of all, you asked yourself, well, who sent these 70 or 72 out? Jesus. He commissioned them to go, to teach and to preach. They were able to perform miracles through the Holy Spirit. So were they apostles technically yes they were they weren't the 12 but they were apostles all right let's go on to our next slide so in first corinthians 12:28 we see paul teaching the church at Corinth about the role as the church begins to mature now remember this is after uh, the day of pentecost in, in acts 2 this is a rapid growth of the church, a a rapid expansion. And so now what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth is here's how the Lord is teaching and equipping the church and preparing it to grow. He has appointed apostles. So are there apostles in the first century church? Yes, there are. In addition to the original 12, Jesus selected, there's others who are called apostles who have that title, prophets, teachers. Miracles, gifts of healing, helping administration in various kinds of tongues. So I kind of think of it this way, in that very dynamic and powerful first century, when the church was rapidly growing, people were proclaiming salvation through Jesus Christ, and they said, well, tell us more about this Jesus Christ. Well, he's God himself, and he enables people to be healed and to do things, and and we are testifying Uh, Here today, in the name of, of, of Jesus Christ, and it's by the name of Jesus that we command this man to stand up and walk, or this man to be healed of his blindness. And so demons were cast out. All kinds of amazing things were happening in the first century church. And so I think apostles certainly continued to exist in the first century church. One of the other things that I find interesting about apostles and their role in that first century is... Uh, young Timothy, remember Paul mentions in First and Second uh, Timothy about the laying on of hands. This was done by the apostles. They laid their hands on certain individuals and bestowed upon them a miraculous gift. And so this is an indication of an apostle in the first century who had that ability and capacity to lay hands on others. And give them gifts, not something they did lightly, and I'm sure there was a lot of prayer and asking God to guide them as, as to who they should give these gifts to, but again, a very important role of an apostle. Now, I want to stop and just ask you a quick question. Anybody in the congregation tonight, especially those of you who are older, have you ever been aware or witnessed yourself anyone who laid their hands on someone and bestowed a miraculous gift? in your lifetime? I haven't. I've not heard anybody, even the old timers, talk about that ability. Now, you would have some in the apostolic church that go, oh, yeah, we do that all the time. It happens every Sunday. I'm like, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. In the first century, we had people who were, who were lame from birth, who had never taken a step in their life, jump up and walk. The blind could see, the hear, the dead were raised through these miraculous gifts. And the laying on of hands, which bestowed the ability to speak in tongues and to preach, to proclaim the gospel in powerful ways, gifts of healing. These are really interesting times, but I don't necessarily see these things happening in the church today. Which makes me wonder, and just join me in this thought for a moment, if the apostles in the first century church had the capacity to lay their hands on people and bestow these gifts, all those apostles at some point chronologically died out. Does that mean that the ability to lay hands on others it passed away, it went away as the apostles died? I think there's a very good chance that is the case. Are there apostles in the church today? 21st century apostles, let's forge ahead as we ask this question. All right, in our next slide, this is a foundation. We mentioned this in Bible class this morning. Those of you that are involved in the building trades, architecture, or have built a house before, you know what the role of a foundation is. The foundation basically is a strong rock-like structure on the soil that gives stability and strength to a house. It is the very first thing that's done when the house is built. Now let me ask you a question. If a contractor were to come to you several months after the house is being built, and he's already got it framed, he's getting ready to put the roof on it and start doing the interior work, Would that builder come to you and go, you know what? We need to put another foundation about halfway up this house. You're like, what? Another foundation halfway up the house? Um, That's insane. How many foundations does a house require? One. And when that foundation is complete, is there any need for additional foundations? Not at all. See, that makes so much sense, doesn't it? There's one foundation that is built. When the house is built on top of that foundation, it has completed its job and other things continue to grow and be built on top of a solid foundation. Why do I go to that trouble in that example? Bear with me. In our next slide, we're going to see in Revelation twenty-one fourteen. John says, the wall of the city, this is basically the the holy city, had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. I want you to think of the apostles in the first century church, in particular the 12 and those who were apostles as the church grew. These were foundational builders of the church. They had a very important role in watching the building grow into the house of God. Once the foundation was established and the building began to be built on top of the foundation, no additional foundations were required. All right, next slide. We're going to see in Ephesians 2.19 where Paul says to the church at Ephesus, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, church, brethren, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Notice in verse 20, the church, he says, those to whom Paul is writing, is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We mentioned that in Bible class today. The chief cornerstone was rejected by the Jewish leaders in the time of Jesus, but yet he was instrumental in the foundation of the church, the uh, apostles were instrumental in the foundation of the church. And then he says to the church in verse 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows. Think of the house being built up, right? The foundation is laid. The apostles were the ones who laid that, and Jesus and the prophets. Once that job is done, the house is built up. The whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Think of yourselves as the house of the Lord, the temple, the living stones, as Peter says, now being built upon the foundation that was put in place. No more foundation required. If we have an existing foundation built by apostles, are we done with the foundation? The answer is yes, we are done with the foundation. No more foundation required. My point is, as I continue to study and think about what a foundation is and that the apostles were foundational builders, that sort of takes the necessity of apostles away as the building grows. Make sense? All right. God had a very explicit purpose for these structural builders of the foundation. When it was complete, first century church, the building grew. All right, let's go on to our next slide. Now, this is a quote from gotquestions.org. You'll notice that I refer to this several times. I did research um, on the idea of are there modern-day apostles? Do they exist in the church today? Uh, Here's a quote I wanted to share. I thought this was share-worthy with the congregation tonight. The responsibility of the 12 apostles laying the foundation of the church would also argue for their uniqueness. 2,000 years later, we are not still working on The foundation. The house is being built. Think of it this way. The house started being built on Pentecost when more people were added, and then as spiritual gifts were disseminated, people had their hands um, laid, uh, the apostles laid their hands on individuals and bestowed certain gifts. Those gifts started spreading rapidly. The church grew. Paul, on his missionary trips, started establishing congregations all over the world, in Rome and Asia Minor and Turkey. And uh, and so we see the church growing and, 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 and elders are being established. The foundation is laid. The building is growing and being built. And so we don't, I see, uh, need any longer um, apostles in the church. All right. In the next slide, another quote uh, from Got Questions. Those who teach, this would probably be people who um, are involved in the apostolic church or some holiness churches that have... And I don't know if you've ever been affiliated with or, or been a, a visitor at a congregation where they have an apostle who's um, over the church, apostle so-and-so. Uh, it's a little scary to me to have that title because I'm wondering from where do they get that authority. Those who teach the restoration of the office teach that the men who claim to be apostles... And prophets should never be spoken against. Now, this is important. They should never be questioned because the person who speaks against them is speaking against God. All right? Here's where I'm going with this. If you've got somebody in a modern religious setting who claims to be prophet so-and-so or apostle so-and-so, you're seeing somebody that's probably involved in some kind of power grab that doesn't ever want their motives questioned, and they're the head honcho in the church, right? I kind of see a real danger there where you can't question me. I'm an apostle. I've been hand-chosen by God. And so my authority should never be questioned. Well, if you think about Paul, who was an apostle, why were the Bereans uh, mentioned? Because they took what he said, right, and they searched the Scripture's daily to see if it were so. I see Paul was saying the Bereans I admire and appreciate because they'd take what I teach and come back and say, Brother, Brother Paul, uh, we appreciate your teaching. We've checked it out, and it's, 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 it's correct. It's running parallel with the truth of the Scripture. And so I just think any, any religious setting who has apostles today or prophets today, we need to probably be careful because I I question why they would even have those titles in the church unless it were to be a position where they have all power, and that power or authority is is never questioned. All right, next slide. So we're looking toward the end of um, our lesson tonight, and I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to open up my Bible here as well. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I hope this has sort of made sense and flowed, uh, but I do appreciate the question. I love these Let the Bible Speak lessons because they force me to study and get into questions that maybe I wouldn't normally think of, but it's always a learning experience, and I want to just say again, put in a plug, uh, please keep those questions coming because I learn. I hope you learn uh, as people ask various questions. As you're discussing something around the dinner table or something comes up, that you hear about or read, and you're like, hey, I'd like to ask Brother Tom, that That might be a good question for Let the Bible Speak. So let's, let's begin um, in 2 uh, Corinthians. The, the idea, if you, if you look at the very top of the chapter, you'll see that Paul, the heading for my Bible at least is Paul and the false apostles. What does that mean? That means that there were some people, at least in the first century, when Paul existed and was writing his letters, these men came into congregations and said, I'm an apostle. Well, how do you know they're an apostle? And so Paul says, let me just warn you, Corinth, about these men. Verse 1, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. For I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. So he's saying, basically, you are God's elect. I am your guardian. Uh, I have helped you find Jesus, and I want you to stay in Jesus. But be warned, there's false teachers among you. And listen to what he says in verse 3. He goes back to the garden. I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning... Your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Uh, So he's saying, caution here, be careful. Four, verse four, if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. He's saying, church, stand your ground. If you've heard the truth, and you're embedded in the truth, don't sway off this truth. Don't let anyone, regardless of how persuasive they are, and if they claim to be an apostle, don't compromise the truth you know to be true. And then he says in verse 5, Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these, and he says, tongue-in-cheek, super-apostles. Super apostle could either be apostles chosen by Jesus who were one of the 12, or it could be these uh, false apostles who claim to be superior in status. I'm not sure which one, but Paul is saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I'm not inferior to any of these. I'm a legitimate apostle. Verse 6, even if I am unskilled in speaking, I'm not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. So here he's defending his apostle status. When I was with you and was in need, I didn't burden anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. Now let me stop there. It sounds like Paul is almost saying, did I as an apostle have a right to come to you and say, brethren, I have financial needs and I need your support. You see, it almost sounds like what's happening is these false apostles are coming in and saying, I'm an apostle in the Lord's church, take a collection for me. Paul's saying, I had that right, but I never made that request. Other congregations supported me, but I didn't burden you. The brethren in Macedonia supplied my needs. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you. God knows I do. So what he's saying basically is... uh, He's warning the church of these false teachers. Look down at verse 13. What kind of things should you watch out for in these false apostles that are popping up in the first century church? These men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, he says, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So what he's saying, he's saying to the church, Show discernment. If someone comes into you and claims to be an apostle and they appear to be good and persuasive in their teaching, even even individuals who appear to be good and righteous can be false. Just as Satan, he says, disguised himself as an angel of light. So, verse 15, he concludes, It is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of... Of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. so I want to just conclude tonight by pointing that out. I believe that's the end of our uh, presentation. Is that, is that our last slide for tonight? Okay, so I, I hope that makes sense to you that in my opinion, I think the apostles have run their course. Why? because they're associated with the foundation of the church. there's no need to build another foundation. I don't believe that there are modern-day apostles today, even though some men may claim they are. Certainly, they could be false apostles, as Paul pointed out in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. They were existing in the church in the first century, and they appeared to be good, but really were not commissioned as apostles by the Lord. So, I hope that helps. You're certainly welcome to ask me if you have any other questions about apostles. I don't claim to be the end-all authority on the teaching of apostles. I'm just sharing with you what I found in some of my research and hope it was helpful. And please, again, keep those questions coming. It's how we all Learn together. Tonight, the invitation is yours. We always want to extend an invitation to anyone who may need encouragement, prayers. I was going to mention, too, remember Brother Jason Barrett. He's still in the hospital. He's doing okay, Uh, no uh, improvement or or decline in his condition. He's just receiving medication uh, for pneumonia. So uh, just continue to remember, Brother Jason, as we close out our prayer tonight. The invitation's yours, and we certainly want to invite you. If anyone needs to make a request or request a prayer, we certainly welcome you as we sing this invitation song. Howard, are you ready to lead us? Let's stand together. Jesus is tenderly
1: calling thee home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam farther and farther away? Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is calling the weary to rest. Calling today, calling today. Bring him thy burden, and thou shalt be blessed. He will not turn thee away. Calling today. Calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is pleading, oh, listen to his voice. Hear him today, hear him today. They who believe on his name shall rejoice. Quickly arise and awake. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today.
0: there are any here tonight who have not had an opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper, it's prepared in room one uh, and you can go there at this time. Our final song will be number 491 Shall We Gather at the River. We'll sing the first and last verses, number 491.
1: Shall we gather at the river Where bright angel feet have trod With its crystal tide forever Flowing by the throne of God Yes, we'll gather at the river The beautiful, the beautiful river Gather with the saints at the river That flows by the throne of God At the smiling of the river Mirror of the Savior's face Saints whom death will never sever lift their songs of saving grace. Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river, gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne.
2: Pray together God, our Lord, our Father, our Creator, uh, we are so blessed, Father. Uh, we're so thankful, Father, for all that you do in our lives, Father, how you work uh, daily, Father, to uh, help us, Father, to bless us. Uh, Father, we pray that you help us as we study your word, Father, that we uh, will be able, Father, to uh, find ways to, to grow closer to you, Lord. Uh, to find areas of weakness, Father, to uh, be able to become more complete for you. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you'll help us as we take uh, your message, Father, into this world, uh, that you'll help us, Father, to uh, be able to proclaim it, Father, boldly, that we, Father, will be able to present it in ways, Father, that will uh, prick others' hearts, Father, uh, that they will be able to uh, see the love that you have for us, see the love that that Christ has for us. Uh, We pray, Father, that you uh, watch over everyone, Father, in these coming weeks, Lord. We know that this is a uh, busy time of year, Father, especially for travel, and and we just pray, Lord, that you will uh, bless every situation, uh, that you will uh, bless all the time, Father, that we will be able to spend uh, with family, Lord, and we just pray that uh, you'll help us to take advantage of that time, Father. uh, with those family members, Father, that we uh, may have that that don't know you, Father, we just pray that you, uh, Father, will give us uh, those words, Father, that will um, help to change their hearts. Uh, Father, we are so thankful for this country, so thankful for um, how many things, Father, that go right for us on a daily basis, basis Father, that we don't even realize, Father, are, are working in our favor, and we, Father, give you the glory for uh, those times, and we're so thankful. And Father, there's also times, Lord, when uh, we're struggling, uh, when we are tempted, Father, when we uh, don't feel like, Father, we'll be able to get out of the situations that we're in. And, and Lord, we just pray that uh, you'll help us to uh, have faith in you, Father, uh, that no matter the, the struggles we may be going through, Lord, it's, it's all, Father, for a greater purpose, uh, that you, Father, will be there if we lean on you, uh, that you'll help us get through any struggles that we might have, that uh, your plan is perfect, Father, that your will, Father, is perfect. Lord, we want to pray for those who are sick at this time, Father, who are going through different struggles, Father, especially those of our family here, Father. We want to pray for for Jason Barrett, Father. We pray that you'll help him to to heal up, Father, to to be able to to regain his strength, Father, and get back to, to his normal activities. Uh, Father, we just pray that you'll uh, help us to uh, be your lights, Father, every day. uh, That we will uh, realize, Father, the the great blessings that we have. Realize the the grace that you have freely given us. Uh, We're so thankful for Christ and him willing to go and die on that cross. uh, Father, and hang there in all that pain because of that
4: love that he has for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.